Welcome to this episode of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I'm Cindy Coaches. There is a backstory weaved into each book to explore the creative process. I'm sitting down with authors, writers, editors, publishers, an array of creative souls to have a conversation centered on how they develop their stories to completing their works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, pros of wisdom, and the experiences that began our journey as an author from the moment we put pen to paper. Jennifer Locke is a professional ghostwriter and author coach for nonfiction writers who want to level up their thought leadership with a book. Her clients have been published by major publishers and reach global audiences. Jennifer helps authors write unforgettable, world-changing books by helping them identify their perfect fit message told as only they can tell it. Jennifer, it is so good to have you here in the Pen to Paper Press podcast studio. I have a lot of questions for you. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for having me and um, I'm excited to dive in. Good. So a professional ghostwriter. I have had, I think, one other person who who said that they had done some ghostwriting, but you're a professional ghostwriter. So how did this happen? Is this something that you're like one day decided, mm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to follow this dream? Or was it something that purely happened by accident, coincidence, you know? divine alignment. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that it is a little bit of both. Um, A lot of ghostwriters did not necessarily want to be ghostwriters when they, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's not like people are saying, I want to be a (laughs) ghostwriter. But uh, so a lot of us kind of came to it by accident and have the skill set of writing books and have the you know experience of having written books before. And that certainly was the case for me. So I was freelance writing. I was writing primarily blogs, thought leadership content, articles, um, SEO for law websites. Um, you know, are you a have you been in a truck wreck? Then you hear your, you know, like lots of keywords mm-hmm. sprinkled throughout. Not the most exciting, uh, titillating projects that you can imagine. But I was, uh, when I started out freelance writing, I was just doing whatever I could. So eventually I connected with someone who wanted ghostwritten thought leadership articles because they were looking to up their profile and, um, you know, be published in these high profile places like. Forbes. Um, this person wanted uh, industries that were specific to their profession. So we began working together on thought leadership content and they would kind of present their ideas. And I would say, okay, I can, I think I can do that and make it in your voice and then bring in some research and whatnot. And they ended up just being like thrilled with what we created together um, in terms of the, the articles, the shorter form content. And eventually this person said that they wanted to write a business book. And they asked me if I had ever um, written a business book before. And I said, 
uh, no, but I think I can figure it out. <laughs> so, because I had already had the skill set of writing fiction, I've been writing fiction, full length fiction books for, uh, gosh, like a, six years prior to that point. So I, I thought, okay, I have this skill set of writing books. This is not something everybody has. You know, a lot of people are just totally overwhelmed by the process. And when that person asked me that, I kind of like, realize that I can leverage that skill and that it was my highest value skill that I could kind of take and run with. Mm -hmm. And so I agreed to it and I was like, well, I'm just going to see how this goes. I'm going to see if I can uh, do it and then leverage it and then, you know, develop some systems around it. So, so that's essentially how it happened. It was part by accident and part um, strategy thinking about like, what, what's the highest dollar value skill that I have. And I love it too, of course, you know, I love the full length, um, getting to write in someone's voice, getting to explore ideas, getting to really dig into the storytelling. And um, that, that book ended up being traditionally published and it was really well received. Um, so yeah, I realized I, I had a good thing going and I just wanted to double down on it. That is interesting. And I always love finding out how people got into writing. And so you've written several uh, fiction. So you said fiction or nonfiction. I apologize. Fiction. fiction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you publish those or are those just something that are was more for you? Yeah, well, so the goal is for I'm still aiming for traditional publication. I've kind of had a twisty turny journey with that. Um, you know, I've been <laughs> agented. I broke up with my agent. Like the the process of getting a traditional book published fiction is um, it's it's much harder than than nonfiction. That has been my experience. But you know, I I have a book out with agents right now, so. We can all um, cross your fingers for me. <laughs> cross, they are crossed. Thank you. Is... <laughs> so, because self-publishing is so popular right now, and especially, mm -hmm. you know, with the last handful of years that we've gone through, a lot of people have chosen the self-publishing mm -hmm. route more than ever. Mm -hmm. So for you to go with a traditional route, um, is why are you going that way? I guess maybe I'll word it that way. Sure. Yeah. Well, it can make a lot. So, so I, my fiction that I write is middle grade fiction. Mm -hmm. And so there are some people who can really make it work with self-publishing fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, it requires a lot of speed with writing. It requires a lot of business acumen because if you self-publish, Fiction. Now, there's a distinction between fiction and nonfiction and the ways that you can leverage nonfiction versus the way that you can leverage fiction. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm adding that distinction. But if you um, if you self-publish fiction, which is a totally viable, great option, and I don't have anything against, I just uh, know what's required in order to actually move a lot of those books. Mm -hmm. um, and that is you're basically like an entrepreneur. People who have success self-publishing fiction tend to write very fast. Uh, they tend to, uh, I mean, you can have a lot of success doing it, but that's like your main vehicle and you really did work to develop an engine um, that, that will sell those books. 
And um, traditional is a better option for me due to like the reach of traditional publishers and the, you know, they do a lot of that heavy lifting for you. A lot of it is still on the author, any way you slice it in terms of getting the word out about the book and marketing. But uh, for traditionally publishing fiction, that just, it is a, um, it's a better option for me in terms of the reach that I would like my books to have. Now, nonfiction, I work with a lot of people who are self-publishing nonfiction. And so say you're a business leader and you do speaking. Well, suddenly if you have a book, your speaking rates could potentially double. You have um, something that you can um, give to like heads of companies and like they can order one for their whole team. You can raise your rates with clients if you're an entrepreneur. So there's lots of different ways that you can leverage and monetize a nonfiction book uh, much more easily than you can a fiction book. So I so I work with people who are primarily self-publishing nonfiction and um, you can just get a better it, it's not cheap right? To self-publish nonfiction or fiction. It's not cheap to do either one. Right, you can right. go cheap, but that's not, that's not a good idea. No. Uh, so uh, yeah, so they're able to just get, uh, see an ROI on their investment more quickly. And, and it makes sense to, you know, if you're self-publishing, you can have control over the process. So say you have an important deadline and you want the book release to coincide with that, whether it's a business anniversary or the launching of a new leg of your business or your birthday, you know, it could be arbitrary. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> birthday's not arbitrary, but you have um, uh, you have control over that process, and you right. can think strategically about what your goals are and how you're going to leverage it. And um, and have your book really play into your big uh, vision for where you want to go for business and for life. You are a wealth of information. (laughs) 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 And and I'm like sitting here, I want to pick your brain on this. It's like, no, go back to the ghostwriting, go back to the (laughs) ghostwriting. So with the ghostwriting, because I, you know, I, yeah, I could rabbit hole down that whole entire section, you know, you're right in, in so many ways about people writing that nonfiction book to accelerate their speaking gigs, to enhance their corp, their stance in a corporate world, you know, I can help you look, I have this book. And, you know, and in some cases, you know, with the self-publishing, they don't, individuals don't take the time to get it professionally edited. Mm -hmm. And so then, yes, I have this shiny book, but it's not professionally written. You know, if we don't have somebody who goes through the book and who understands punctuation sentence formatting dialogue blah 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 the whole you know the entire list then that that professionally looking book isn't professional Mm -hmm. and it actually can backfire and you're right there are a lot of people who do want to you know want to mass produce i got to get the next one got to get it turned out 
and mm -hmm. it, that's great and all. And of course, you know, more power to you. If you can get those books out like that, man, I, I, I'm right there cheering you on. <laughs> this girl, I can't do that. I mean, I, I have to be in the zone and, and I have other things I need to attend to. <laughs> but you mentioned something about like writing SEO. Mm -hmm. And that is a that is a talent in its own. I design websites. And I'll tell you, that is the part that I have really held off on learning, which of course is a complete disservice to myself because I have my websites out there and it's like, mm. <laughs> I'm better at helping clients get their SEO out there than my own. But I, I think that's that whole mentality of like editing our own work. Mm -hmm. We we know what we want to say and and assume mm -hmm. that everybody else sees it. Um, mm -hmm. But to learn how to do SEO again, that's a talent because you are you are coming up with those phrases. You're coming up with those power words and so forth. So was that something again that you trained to do or was that something that just naturally came to you? Like, I see this, this is, I, I can put it all together for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I definitely did not train for it. And to be <laughs> honest, it, it's been like five years since I, it was a very specific it was like a content mill situation where we had to like, you get, you got paid per word. And uh, it, it was like these keywords, like West Palm Beach personal injury lawyer, <laughs> and you would <laughs> sprinkle it throughout. And um, yeah, so I personally, I feel like I SEO is, uh, you know, when I did it, I'm like, I, it wasn't that hard, but there's, that particular but that's one very spe specific particular instance you know I, there's a whole lot more to it i think than what i know or have experience with and i think that's definitely a growth area for me in terms of like website visibility and whatnot that i could uh, lean into and like when i have a little space i'll uh, learn more about that and implement it <laughs> um but i i've done it but and could I do it again? Sure. But there's, there's room for growth there in terms of like my knowledge base. Um, actually doing the writing wasn't, wasn't that hard. It was just like, I was, uh, I had one-year-old twins at the time and I was like, got to crank it out while they nap. Got to do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was producing a lot like in the, in the margins. And um, it was exciting because I was like earning money writing from home which is what i wanted to do i ended up leaving my job when i had the the my twins which is not what i had anticipated so i was just trying a lot of things at the beginning to like make a go of this freelance writing thing and then when i hit upon ghostwriting i was like okay well this could writing a book is more valuable than getting eight cents a word doing SEO keywords, basically. So <laughs> that's kind of the journey of how I arrived there. So how many books have you, you know, if you don't know an exact number, approximately how many books have you written for others? Um, around, well, three and a half. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. And 
so take me through generically i mean don't don't give away trade secrets or or whatever or if you want to go for it uh -huh. so the a person approaches you and says i want to write a book i don't know how to write i can't put two sentences together to save my soul mm -hmm. you know i need your help so then are you sitting down with the person and doing like an interview process with them or are they just telling you know uh giving you a pile of paperwork and saying make it work <laughs> yeah how does it get started how does mm -hmm. the role you know how does that ball start rolling mm -hmm. yeah well i'll say tell me show me what you have to start off with because they might have like a google doc where they brainstormed a lot of thoughts they might have a rough outline that's been sitting there for a year and a half and they don't know what to do with it mm -hmm. they might have lots of speeches and um you know just whatever content they have that's out there but i'll say like tell me your show me what you have like for this book specifically and we'll start there and it begins with a, a pretty intense ideation um session that i have with them where we're talking about the big idea for the book and we're going in terms of both like big themes and then we're getting down into granular themes and looking at how we can actually build the chapter. People start in, in all different places. I've worked with people who have full manuscripts, but they're not focused. And there's not like a clear theme throughout or um, a clear message. And so we'll rework that and say like, okay, these are the big themes and this is how we can develop them. and. Re rewriting it basically re, re ghost writing it um some people just have an idea and um i've been more heavy-handed you know how heavy-handed i have i've been before it kind of depends on the person and um and some people have an outline that they're working with some people have a book proposal that they have where each chapter is um the main idea for each chapter is is there i've also helped people create those book proposals where we say okay this is how we're going to structure it and this is what each chapter is going to be about so people start in different ways but we get really specific on who is this book for what is the transformation that is being offered what is your unique point of view uh, what are your stories that you can bring to it that we can really dive into and explore on the pages why does this book stand out because mm -hmm. any book there's going to be like 40 million other books on the same topic right so <laughs> yes there it is, especially with the, i mean if you like google how many books are published a year it's it's like millions it's so. staggering it's it, it is and it and there is that sense of I'm going to get lost in the crowd. What is the point? And then again, that's when that imposter syndrome uh, sets in. But that's a whole other topic for right. down the road. But go ahead, keep going. I'm yeah, and that's when being really specific on your on your niche, on your audience, on your message, like specificity is what makes you stand out. So both in who is it targeted toward. And I always say this, but it's true, like specificity, um, the specific is universal. There's that quote. And so the more specific you can be in who you're gearing the book towards and what is the intended message, mm -hmm. the book is going to resonate more Why? like more people are going to read it if it's um, to a specific audience. 
people outside of that audience will find it. So people, you don't have to worry about like, oh, leaving people out or X, Y, Z, or like, nobody's going to read this except for this very specific whatever. Like, if you write a good book, uh, people will find it. It will resonate more widely if it's geared toward a specific audience. If you write to everybody, if you're like, oh, this book could be for middle managers and CEOs and like the everyday, every average employee who's like the entry level, like, okay, no, that's, that's not going to work. You have to be specific and who you're geared toward. And that takes work to, to figure out those elements. Um, I say a lot that writing a book or figuring out who your book is for is a much a matter of figuring out who it's not like figuring out what your book is involves figuring out what it's not. And it can take a while to kind of peel away the, the chaff in and narrow in on what it is that you really want to say. Um, but once you've done that and you can bring your specific voice and your specific viewpoint and you write a book that sounds like you, um, that's, that's really where the magic happens. Um, I try to capture, I, you know, I, I describe ghostwriting as acting on the page a lot because I'm hearing their voice in my head. <laughs> I <like> that. <laughs> acting on the page. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it is. I'm like writing in their voice. I'm like inhabiting their voice, you know, and I know I've succeeded when I give a chapter to someone or I give a sample to someone and they're like, you made me sound so brilliant. Like, oh yes, this is, it sounds like me, but like more me, more, a more eloquent, brilliant version of me. And, and that's what I'm aiming for. Um, because you want to hear the voice. Like we, we right. respond to individuality. We respond to authenticity. Um, so capturing that is, it's a really fun part of the job. In, in doing so, you have to get to know these individuals. You have to actually have that dialogue so that you can mm -hmm. pick up those cues of how they say things when they say certain phrases or things or what are those phrases that they say mm -hmm. you really have in order to share their voice you have to hear their voice and you mm -hmm. have to acknowledge those different key elements of it and so in that that's a talent because I, I don't think not yeah, everybody could do that, you know, to convey yeah. somebody else's voice without wanting to interpret things <laughs> and right. put your voice into it. Right. Yeah. And I think like, it's definitely you, a skill set that I, I, I can kind of just do, you know, like what are their, what are their things that they say multiple times? Like, okay, put that in the, like if they have keywords or phrases that they say a lot, like mm -hmm. putting, putting that in there, if they have, stories you know what what are they super interested in what do they love can we explore that in the in the book like interests that align and help to um illustrate what we're talking about on the pages like if this person is really into rugby i might make a, a rug i just pulled that out of the air but i might make a rugby analogy you know so that right. got those little things that they love and that are kind of delightful to come across for that person because it's it's got their voice it's got their interests the things that they are super love in the pages and that's kind of how you create I don't know it's it's a little bit magical how it comes together and ends up being a, a really good representation of that person sharing their message yes and the things you must learn because you're learning something from somebody else's 
life experiences mm -hmm. and you've got their stories and you're they're giving you the education to learn whatever the topic is you know with the thought leadership that is something that you've brought up a lot and to me i'm thinking okay thought leadership that could mean this it could mean that but to explain it um in your words what is a what is thought leadership yeah so it's um I mean, just positioning yourself as a leader in a specific niche by sharing your point of view, you know, and it's not just your point of view from, you're not just shooting from the hip. <laughs> this is a... <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like, I'm not going to position myself as a thought leader in IT technology. You know, what do I know about IT technology? I... But if I wanted to position myself as a ghostwriter, thought leader, as a writing thought leader, I would share what I've learned about writing and best practices and how to keep a writing habit and how to move past imposter syndrome. And, you know, all these this body of knowledge that I've collected over the last 11, 12 years of doing this. It's just sharing what you know, basically, um, with others. So you are positioned. Posi positioning yourself as a leader in the space um yeah and and kind of raising your profile so people might want to raise their profile by getting published in forbes or harvard business review or mm -hmm. whatever publications matter to their audience yes um so that's that's basically what and once you do that you get a lot some publications high profile publications under your belt and you do that often enough then if you want to get a traditional book deal becomes a lot easier you know so it's kind of setting yourself up for um bigger and better opportunities down the road and it's a discipline it can i i work with some people who are incredibly um disciplined in their in their approach to building their thought leadership and it pays dividends though it's it's kind of amazing to see um how that pays off for them interesting so you brought up something that I am curious about and that is like the writing disciplines mm -hmm. so are you someone who this is my schedule this is when I write mm -hmm. or are you somebody who writes and I'm going to take it to your fictional work I'm assuming with your ghostwriting that structure because you're mm -hmm. doing a job for somebody else mm -hmm. But with your fiction writing, when you're doing that, are you sitting down and writing on a schedule or is it when when that storyline comes to me, you grab a pen of paper and, you know, lay it out there, what's coming to you? So I talk a lot about the distinction between drafting and kind of the murky stuff that comes before so Ooh, when I'm okay, go, go. Yeah, you got my attention. <laughs> okay. <laughs> People get into trouble. And when I say trouble, what I mean is feeling bad about themselves and feeling defeated when they have this idea that they're supposed to write every day and they're supposed to just sit down and out the story comes. And they might like 
do that for like a week, like set aside a week, like, okay, this is my time. And I'm going to mm -hmm. wake up every morning and spend this hour writing my book. But they haven't done, and this is not to talk bad about anybody who takes that approach because so many people do it. You know, so many people have had this experience. So I want to speak about it and normalize it and say that if this has happened to anybody and they've been totally frustrated and been like, well, forget it. I'm not going to write my book anymore. Mm -hmm. Then they're normal. So they might come to this writing time that they've set aside like an hour and be like, I'm going to write my book. And then you open up the blank screen and you just see a blinking cursor and you haven't done any of the prep work necessary to write a book. Um, and so you just end up feeling defeated because how are you supposed to write a book from zero? So I'll, I'll get back to my particular process when I'm writing fiction. Mm -hmm. So I have a, I'm always, you know, I joke that anybody who writes a book, like, how do they start? They like open up Google and say like, how do I write a book? Even stop, even people who've done it before, right? Like each book requires something new, each fictional book especially like coming up with a plot and coming up with the beats in the story is difficult work it's exciting it it's is. fun you know it's um it's juicy it's in inspiring and, and all those things but it takes me a while and so i'll have like a little baby idea and i'll want to explore that further and the process of exploring and figuring out what could happen, this is a process that I'm currently in right now, and like thinking about it and dreaming about it and journaling about it and eventually kind of coming up with an outline. Coming up with an outline might be very loose. That's my process, but it gets me a while before I have, a, I'm to the place where I feel like I have enough where I can sit down and, and write. And then when I'm in the drafting phase, so all that is pre-drafting phase. Then when I'm in the drafting phase and I want to actually come up with a manuscript, I am pretty structured with that. And my goal is usually to write, it might be like a six month period. My goal might be to write 500 words a day. And that's not a ton. Um, some people write much more, but you know, I have three little kids and, <laughs> and client work and whatnot. So like if I write 500 words a day, then I, that's good you know and i try to work write that as a minimum and it's not every day like it's usually i take rest days and, and whatnot or i might have like three thousand words this week that's when i want to get accomplished okay. um then i tend to be very structured and that's an exciting time because it's like oh things are moving the story is actually happening this thing that i've been thinking of for however many months or maybe even like a couple years it's actually like starting to come out, you know, and form itself on the page. Um, so I tend to be structured, I'm structured and very disciplined when I'm drafting, but it takes a while to actually get to that place. Okay. So it, yeah, so I want to like kind of encourage people, uh, you know, there's this myth that we're supposed to write every day and we're just supposed to crank out books. And I don't know who started it, but um, it's not serving anybody and we can just like throw that one in the trash for good because I don't know anyone who, who works that way. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it would be very, it is self-defeating mm -hmm. because there's the, I should have, could have, would have. 
-hmm. And those shoulda, coulda, wouldas are the most destructive words that we Mm -hmm. can put upon ourselves. And life happens. You know, you get that six o'clock phone call, you know, hey, so-and-so called in sick. I need you to come in. What are you going to say? No, I got to write my 600 words first. (laughs) Well, although that would be a great, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But life happens. And so we have to give ourselves that. Well, we don't have to anything. It's a choice to give our ourselves that flexibility and not be so hard on ourselves. And and then, you know, this is a great role in for the imposter syndrome because of the fact then we have a natural tendency. Well, you know, so-and-so did this in three months. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and I do there's been writers on this podcast. I pumped out a book in three months. I know people who pumped out books Uh in three months, more power to them. But I also know people who it took, um, there was one gal uh, at the very beginning when I started recording the podcast, it took her 20 years to write a book. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, it takes years because we, we start it, we set it down, life happens, we remember that book, oh, I was working on this, then then we work on it, or there's that pause because we have to experience something mm-hmm. so that we can put that content, that, that experience into the book to wrap it around and stuff, and so it's really easy to get into that whole, I'm not good enough, um it's taking me too long why can't I do it why am I not good enough like so and so I need to take more classes I need to I need better I need to know better English (laughs) (laughs) I need to learn this or you know my sentence structure that's why we have editors and and go or not ghostwriters but uh, well ghostwriters yes but beta readers to help us to kind of bring stuff back in and hone it down and and get rid of the the unnecessary fluff but it is a process and for if so say i've been writing this book and i'm stuck and i just can't move forward and with your experience as a coach and I'm facing serious imposter syndrome. I suck. I can't do this. Why, you know, blah, blah, blah. What is some of that wisdom that you would bring forth in a conversation with me when I'm sitting here going, I suck. I can't do this. I, I'm trying my damnedest, but nothing's happening. I look at that crazy white screen and I just want to scream at it, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, when I work with people as a coach, um, the process tends to be, the beginning process tends to be really similar as it is to um, my work with my ghostwriting clients in that Mm -hmm. we uh, very intentionally build the outline ahead of time so they have that scaffolding underneath them. And when it comes time to draft, they have material underneath them and they're not just starting from zero. But we 
create the outline and I always add the caveat, like this is subject to change. You know, I've never yeah. met somebody who has their outline. And I think people can get intimidated by the idea of an outline because it's like, oh gosh, then I got to do exactly what I got to keep it like this. You know, like we like to make up rules for ourselves and we like to think that this is, uh, <laughs> you know, so where somebody's going to grade us on our outline. No, like it's, it's a tool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't it funny the way we, we kind of have these mindsets that it's so hard to break out of. Um, but I, I want people to have that because it's a, it's a tool for them where they have like scaffolding underneath them and they can get to the drafting stage where they can write. So I would, assuming that we would have created that, um, if they haven't created that, I would revisit that and see like, why, why did you want to write this book? What is it important for you to communicate? Who are you speaking to? Do you know who you're speaking to? If you don't know, okay, let's, let's zero in on that. Let's bring that into clear focus. Um, what, ex why is this fun? Because, you know, it's an act of love to write a book. It's an act of, um, you know, it's, any, anything that requires that much of your focused attention, you have to love it. Um, so I want people to really connect with that, that sense of love and the sense of fun and joy and figure mm -hmm. out how can we, we make this fun, you know? So momentum is fun. It's fun to, clarity <laughs> is fun, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so really zeroing in on, on what it is they want to say, who it's for, getting clarity and then saying, okay, well, how, how let's, let's do this. So, um, helping them build a writing habit and saying, okay, so, cause I'm a big fan of focused attention, like life, life happens. And, um, if it takes somebody, you know, like the person that you are talking about, like it took them 20 years, like, I'm so thrilled that they actually did it, you know, that they stay committed to it over all that time. Um, I, I want people to write their books in a shorter amount of time. Um, like I, I generally work with pe people over a period of six months because I find that that's a spacious yet con enough of a contained mm -hmm. time frame. Right. That you, ha you have to get moving in order to write your book within six months, but it's not like, 90 days or write your book in one month or, or whatever like that is uh you see a lot of that like floating around the internet and for the average person that is just i think setting them up for feeling really frustrated and setting them up for failure yeah. um but yeah we would look at how to create a schedule that is doable and workable for them i would ask what things in your life can you let go of for now so that you can take the time to commit to this. What does it look like to work it into your schedule? Uh, momentum begets momentum, you know? So like the more you write and the more you show up for your book and focus on small assignments. So say you're gonna write 500 words at a time like I do, you're gonna aim for that. The more consistently you do it, the easier it becomes and the faster the words flow. Um, so can you do that for two weeks, three weeks? Can you get in a habit, get in a um, practice and, and build some momentum? Um, and then I offer feedback on the pages that, that people write and often they just want that. We're so close to our own material. Mm -hmm. It can make sense in our own brain, but not necessarily to someone else. 
Um, so that's what I provided are those extra set of eyes to say, you didn't quite draw the connection here. Like I'm confused about how this relates to this. Can we have a transition between these two thoughts? Um, you know, just making sure that it makes sense right. to somebody who's not so intimately familiar with the material. Um, and I provide a, a lot of encouragement up, along the way. Um, and, <laughs> you know, feedback that's like, oh, I love this. And uh, like, oh, you really drew this analogy beautifully here and whatnot um, as they draft and, and constructive feedback, too. Um, but that's that's how I support people when I work with them as a coach. That's wonderful. And we all need somebody to provide us the constructive criticism but yet we also you know for many of us we want to be told we've done good because we naturally want to hear that again so we're going to strive even more to hear it again and when when that is withheld from us that is when we go into the what's the point nobody's going to like this and so having again the structured criticism is necessary because that's how we improve ourselves that's how we you know get over those hurdles of inexperience that provides us with that knowledge to expand and having you know the the pat on the back you know it's not that you're doing it out of kindness it's not that you're doing it out of you're doing it out of support and to help to help them want to expand and and bring bring more to the to the computer to the keyboard so yeah is there anything that i have not asked that you would like to explore because i i could easy rabbit hold on any one of the topics that you and I have talked on, and I'm trying really hard to keep this in a, <laughs> a nice cohesive timetable. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think that's you know that the the part about momentum that I was just saying, mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, you know, I get asked a lot, like, oh, do you think that everybody needs to have a book, or everybody should have a book, and I that question, I'm like, no, I, I don't understand why people ask that question. Um, I, I think people put pressure on themselves to have a book, like, or there are certain settings where it's like really expected. But I say like, the only people who should have a book are the people who want one, you know, who really want to write. Um, we, we can, like I was saying, put so many rules on ourselves about what we should have. And like, or start a project out of obligation or, or this makes sense, or, you know, I did this and now I need to do this or whatever. And like, strategically speaking, a book can do a whole, do a lot for a person. Um, but only people who like, if you want to, then you should go for it. You know, if you like 51% want to, but 49% are scared then go with the 51% that, you know, that wants to, and feels like you can do it. Uh, if you have something to say, if you've been wanting to write a book for a long time, if, um, you know, if you see other people doing it or you read a book and you're like, 
feel this wistful feeling inside. Uh, <laughs> like I could be doing that. Then those are all signifiers that that you quote unquote should write a book. Um, but I, I I just try to encourage people a lot to like th there is something to that desire that is if it's doesn't go away, if it's unexplainable, if it's stayed with you for a long time, mm -hmm. what would it like to explore that nudge and to develop it and to go on the journey of writing a book? Because I think the journey is totally worthwhile. You learn so much about yourself. You learn so much okay. about, you know, process about, you know, you become a different person in throughout the course of writing a book. And uh, that's a worthwhile journey to go on in and of itself. And bonus, lots of people get to read your book around the world and it can change their life. You know, it can open up <laughs> yeah. lots of doors for you. Um, I joke about that, but you know, I have, I know people who like, they get messages every day from people who are like, I'm so glad that you wrote this. Like, thank you so much. And um, I saw on the other side, all that it took to get that book out there and like the years of work and whatnot. And now that it's out there, like, it's so gratifying to get those messages of, oh, your book is changing my life. So I think it's, it's worthwhile in and of itself. Um, it's, it's a journey that you, uh, oh, like, why not? Why not uh, give yourself the gift of, of writing a book? Well, and you know, when you were talking about that, the first thing that came to me was there is this write a book and blah, blah, blah. It'll help you uh, stand out as a leader. So, so there's that corporate person, you know, they've worked in the corporate field for a long time. They have a, just a wealth of knowledge and they have no desire to write, but yet they feel that pressure that I need to write a book so that I can further my career, but yet they don't have that desire to write. And, you know, that's that other side of the coin. And that's that person who has 51% of saying, no, nope, 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 no, don't want to do it. <laughs> uh -huh. And they should honor that, you know, and not feel that guilt or that shame or why can't I do this? It's because it's not what what you want to do. It's not where your intention is. Your intention is to do whatever it is that your intention is. And so if there is that person out there who feels that, may you just let it go. You know, yeah, or, or a ghostwriter. I would add or that a ghostwriter could also be totally, um, you know, what's your message? What are you passionate about? Like they can, so like you may not want to write a book, but do you want to reach a bigger audience? Do you want to, do you want the opportunities that a book can give? A ghostwriter can, can take your message and can translate it into a, you know, like translate it into a book, book format. Um, and then, you know, you could have those, it go to the next level or X, Y, Z, um, that a book can provide, but you don't have to, um, sit down and like it, cause it's such a discipline and it's such a craft to do it well. And like, you're not a professional book writer. <laughs> you're not, you're not an outland. That's okay. You know, there are people who can, um, take care of that for you. Some people really want to write it themselves and that's where the coaching comes in. And some people really don't. 
Um, but you know, do you have something to say? And that's a good signal. Like if you have something to say, then you can share it in a book, whatever the, whether you write it yourself or whether you have hire a ghostwriter. And that is a great example of when to hire. Um, if you are on that for, you know, 51%, I want to do this, then mm -hmm. consider that as an option. And for somebody who is considering, you know, I could, I'm really good at writing and I really could help others who don't want to write their book. Is there, but they don't know where to start for being a ghostwriter. You know, they, how did, how would you suggest somebody get into it? Is it just simply asking, you know, Hey, yeah. you want to write a book? I'll write it for you. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you begin? Yeah, you could do that. You know, uh, yeah, I would say like reach out to contacts at they know or people they know have an interesting story and say you know have you ever thought about writing a book like would you like to do that <laughs> with me and you know your first book you might charge significantly less than what you can charge now because ghostwriting can be quite an investment um, but if you want to get like a practice book under your belt, then why not reach out to people that you know, or maybe you have like a, you know, an older um, grandparent or person, you know, who has a really interesting story. And they've always kind of said like, I should write a book, you know, like they've, you've heard <laughs> them say that, <laughs> yep. you know, however many times throughout your life. And then you say, oh, well, do you want to, you know, why not? What, why don't we uh, try this? Um, but yeah, reach out to people that, you know, uh, get a, get a, practice book quote unquote under your belt um and then and then you then you've done it then you've written a book and now you can uh reach out to other people and, and build on that so then because you're ghostwriting is the obviously the editing you're the you know how does that work do they hire the editor do you hire the editor and how does how does that end stuff work mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> So I recommend that they hire, I mean, it depends on if it's being like, if it's a traditionally published book, then they have the in-house editor and that's kind of taken care of. If it's a self-published book, I'll recommend some content, um, uh, some of my contacts um, in terms of who can edit it. Uh, or it might be like a self-publishing house or a hybrid publishing house where mm -hmm. it's not traditionally published, but they still have people who um, take care of that type of thing. But a, a good ghostwriter should be able to deliver a clean manuscript that doesn't require extensive editing. You might, mm -hmm. I mean, copy editing, you, it always needs to be edited before it's published. I'll say that much. And it doesn't need to be like, if I ghostwrote a book, I would not also serve as the editor because I'm too close to it. Right. Um, but yeah, I would recommend uh, a copy editor. Um, and then then there, there's the final proofread before the book actually goes to press. And then once it's through the editing process and now, uh, you know, somebody's got the cover done and it's to the printing press, is your job at that point done? Or do you, I'm assuming that the ghostwriter is not out there helping to market because 
a ghostwriter is someone whose name is not on the book. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. So my, I really focus on the manuscript and, and making sure it's dialed in and really good and communicating their message as much as, you know, as well as we possibly can. So it can reach the max amount of people um, and provide the most transformation. And so marketing, I, I have wonderful people that I refer authors to who can help with with the marketing a lot of it also like you know we haven't talked necessarily about all the different publishing pathways that you can go but uh there's a lot of even if you self-publish there there's a lot of support built in at various like publishing houses that might have that already self-publishing houses so it's like you're you're paying for it yourself but they there's support built within that system right so there's you know you can you can hire different people for each aspect of it the editing the what and you can just like seek those people out individually you could go with a hybrid publishing house that has those people already built in um but you should definitely do it (laughs) you definitely need editing support (laughs) and you know you want professionals taking care of that and not like, Oh, I also do this. Oh yeah. Some people can do that. really, And you do that. You do design and, um, and editing. Correct. Is that, yeah. And I would, you would not want me to, to do that. I, you know, that's what I say a lot. Like, no, you don't want me doing that. (laughs) I just have a natural knack for, for me, like doing the interior design, that's, mm-hmm. I enjoy doing that. I love doing the editing, but I also en- enjoy doing the interior design. I have this an innate ability to see when things are just not lined up, you know, worth, and I have those, <sighs> it's a curse and a blessing, but I can see where things are inconsistent and it bugs, it bugs me if it's not consistent. I've closed books because I've seen where, you know, like one header on one chapter is here. And then, you know, it's that way for a couple of chapters. And then all of a sudden it starts going all different places and, and the margins are too wide or too narrow. If I have to break a binding of a book to read the inside um, you know, that inside margin, I close that book. I'm done. You didn't, uh-huh. somebody didn't take the time to do this right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, or if they did take the time to, you know, to do it, they didn't order their print copy, their author copy to look at it. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you fix it? If you did see it, why didn't you fix it? Or after a couple of dozen you know, people tell you, by the way, (laughs) it's really hard to read your book. Why are you not adjusting this? Why are you not fixing this? So yeah, I, but I have fun with, see, I have fun with technology. I love it. I, I love playing with those puzzles. So, (laughs) and like, thank goodness there are people like you in the world, because that is at that antithesis of me (laughs) all of that stuff makes me want to go like put my head in the sand so (laughs) you know I've I've built websites forever I Uh I enjoy the process um there are 
part parts of it I don't like, especially like with WordPress when you get the white screen of death because the plugin didn't want to play nice with with whatever. That always stinks. But you know, after after you've experienced it a time or two, you learn how to undo that white screen of death. Nice. <laughs> Anybody who's had WordPress knows what that is. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's more than likely they've experienced it. <laughs> Where all you get is this nice little error code at the top of your white blank sheet mm-hmm. <laughs> where your website should be. But um <clears throat> But anyways, that's 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 going off on a whole different area. Um, so where can people find you on the Internet so that they can learn more about your services, about your books and and all the things that you do? Uh, they can find me on Jennifer dot com. J.E.N.N.I.F.E.R.L.O.C.K.E. Writes W.R.I.T.E.S. And uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn a lot, and I like to hang out there. Um, so those are the two best places. So you're on LinkedIn more so than any of the other social medias. I'm on Instagram too. Okay. I like, but yeah, and that's at Jennifer Locke writes. Um, either of those places, I, I'm there a lot. <laughs> <Both> <laughs> <of them. laughs> But LinkedIn is where more of the, you know, you're you're working with the professionals that are wanting to get their their work out there. So that makes sense that you're hanging out at LinkedIn. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, Jennifer, thank you so much. I am very grateful for this conversation. You have brought forth a great amount of wisdom and the insights on being a ghostwriter uh, is very helpful. And, you know, you may, no, I'm not gonna say you may. You've inspired people to, if they've thought about doing it, you've helped them to get off that fence post and to pursue it. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for your time and your wisdom. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. Before we end our time together, I'd like to say thank you for listening to my conversation with Jennifer Locke. To access her website and learn more about the services she offers, visit pentapaperpress.com backslash podcast and select the show notes page for this episode. There's a good chance you know someone who needs to hear this episode. Help spread the wisdom. Share it on social media. You never know who else needs to hear the messages weaved into our conversation. To receive future episodes in your inbox, subscribe to the Pen to Paper Press newsletter, and of course, follow Pen to Paper Press podcast on your favorite app. Take care and until next time, keep your pen to paper and write. Your words have power. Your story matters. Bye for now.